This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I think the um, things that we are concerned about the most are um, the things that impact our daily lives and the things that are impacting really our quality of life. Right. So when we talk about our high unemployment rate, we talk about the high underemployment rate and we talk about things like whether or not it's safe to disclose uh, and things like that. Um, so employment is a really big issue for our community. Um, we mentioned early, really this morning, Simon mentioned our huge unemployment rate and our huge suicide rate. Uh, that we have. And so um, the other component besides unemployment is our mental health and mental health care, as well as a component of access to care, right? So that that piece of mental health care as well. Um, And so I think those are the two big issues in the community right now, the things that are really affecting our well-being and whether or not we live a life that we enjoy or one that we barely survive. Mm. So uh, would you like to add to that, gentlemen? Yes, like I couldn't agree more with her. Like it's like we just need more mental health funding. Like throughout the pandemic, like everyone's staying home and all that. Like, well, I can tell like everyone's has anxiety and depression. It's like like for the past year, but that's because it's like there's not much to do like like back in 2020, but I think there's more to do right now since we're all vaccinated. Like, like the point mm-hmm. is, it's like we had to like tackle the problem for like, like depression, anxiety. I think the cause for all this is like getting like a little bit too comfortable and just like, like take a challenge. Just like think about it. Like it's going to a gym or something like that. It's like the more you like go like run faster on a treadmill for a short period of time until you hit your goal, you then you feel good. It's like stepping stones. Like. What was your experience of that? Was there anything positive that you gained from the solitude? Oh my God, like, yeah, this is probably like the biggest transformation like ever. It's like, I was diagnosed at three years old. Like, and then like, I moved here like, like March, 2020. I finally fulfilled like my parents' mission, like live independently by myself. And then two weeks later, <laughs> the World Health Organization like, <laughs> declares it COVID. I'm like, I'm like, great. Like, but, <laughs> I but, did it. <laughs> yeah. But then like as two months went by, like, don't get me wrong, I felt like a little scared, anxious, and all that, and really cautious, but. I then I just like, okay, like I gotta think about more other people more, like a little bit and just get myself out there instead of like just like scroll on my phone and screen all the time. Maybe like walk outside or play guitar. That's what I thought, like, and even garden. And that's made a huge difference. You mean playing guitar in the in the gardening? Yeah, basically doing anything that's like not sitting on the couch, like watch, watching a screen <laughs> or just like like or ordering for Grubhub, like, <laughs> yeah, it's basically like getting yourself out there, like, like boosting, like, like your happy chemicals, like yep. endorphins, like serotonin, yep. dopamine, and oxytocin. Yeah, but do you, do you I mean, the, the 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 comment that she had in her survey about um, social media, uh, 
and, and the, the suggestion clearly there was that that was a very low, even though gaming, as I, as I talked about doing games, seemed to have a positive impact um, in the neurodiverse community, given, given the way it was, if you, if you found the right game yeah. and so on. But social media, on the other hand, was not something according to Doris's thing. Right, exactly. I completely right. agree with that. Like, care about much, right? Yeah, I, I think, think I know what. Yeah, I think I, I know what. Require a different amount of social, and I think that what we do on social media is different. Also, um, I just I think what's interesting to me and what I'm hearing a lot from my clients and the rest of the community is that for us, we really struggle with change. And when things get changed on us, our routine is forced into change. And a lot of people were uncomfortable in the beginning of COVID because that's what happened to them. And their routine got taken away entirely, right? And not just the autistic community, but everybody, right? Our reality changed entirely. Um, but I think also then we got used to it. And we're like, hey, now we're living a life that we've been asking for forever. Now everyone's home and we're all on our computers and it's so much easier. And we started to really enjoy the less pressure of it. And now that we're back to returning, it's another change we're having to make again, another change back into another routine. Um, and it's also, you know, a time to question whether we want to give back everything that we took over COVID, right? We learned a lot of important things during COVID and maybe returning to exactly the way things were isn't the best thing, right? I learned a lot about when the social pressure to be outside or the social pressure to do a certain amount of things every day. Um, when that was taken away, right, it was easier to just be me. And do I want to give that back? Do I want, right? Um, but I think the biggest global change we saw um, is that um, remote working has been normalized. Um, and that is something that the autism community has been asking for as an accommodation for a decade. Right. That's something that the disability community as a whole has been asking for for longer than that. Um, and when we look at the unemployment rate and you think about the fact that transportation is often the thing that is keeping people from a good job and we suddenly say it's OK to be remote. Right. Or remote some of the time we've removed the pressure. Right. We've normalized this idea that people have been asking for for a really long time. And that equals the playing field a little bit. Right. Um, and so it's interesting that when forced upon corporate America or corporate world period, right, forced upon that they had to do remote in order to make money, there it was no problem. But before that, it was an impossibility. Right. What's the Waldman view on this? Yeah, like here, I'll share my experience with the pandemic. So like the unique thing about me is that um this like March 2020 was my senior year of high school. So pretty much like high school for me just ended up abruptly, just everything went online. And like pretty much like all my senior activities just like got like really scaled down or canceled out, canceled. And yeah, like it was like hard with my mental health, like pretty much with everyone. And then I went to college where like in Madison last year, um, pretty much like everything like things like football, um, you know, like in-person classes, like they had none of that. Like it was pretty much like sitting in my dorm, all online classes. And like, I definitely like, dealt with some challenges, um, social, and including getting COVID and 
having to quarantine a hotel for two weeks. Um, yeah. And I like, just like am like naturally socially challenged. Um, and yeah, like, and like this year, like it's kind of like hurt my mental health a little bit, like with everything open again, just like trying to like find things to do, like trying to like find like people like I can hang out with. Cause like we're not all living together in the dorm anymore. Like I end up living alone. So yeah, that, just how was that shift? Um, I mean, like I'm like, it was, it's a little, it's like a big transition. It's a little difficult. Um, just like trying to like live alone and yeah, like I think I'm managing like life skills. Okay. But I just like want to make, you know, I like, just like want to like make sure like that I'm having a good time and feel like just sometimes like it's not always like that. Um, yeah, definitely like dealing like with the challenge of online school is pretty difficult also. Um, Cause you know, like I was like trying to like, people are trying to like force me to have relationships over with people over video conference, which is difficult. Um, yeah, so like I'm just trying right now, like I've been trying to like find ways to improve myself academically and socially and and just like, to, you know, like just like keep facing my challenges, like and like hopefully like one day I'll overcome them. Sure, but hey, to to when you say uh, thinking about ways to improve myself and challenges and so on, I mean, where where's the feedback come from? Is it from uh, where where do you get sort of uh, feedback um, to check the direction? Oh, like you like go for like advice and whatever yeah um yeah so like one thing i'm trying to do is like kind of just be more open with my friends like feel like how i'm feeling like what uh what i'm dealing with yeah like i feel like that's been helpful because like since they are they are college students like they they are willing to help me so kind of just like me like know that like there are people that care about me like doesn't always feel like that but um yeah yeah I'm just like, yeah, just like me, like put myself out there. Um, just like be more vulnerable, be more relatable. Right. But is that something that you would have done without the pandemic? Um, or is this pretty much a consequence of the pandemic? What would you say, Andrew? Hmm. Well, like kind of as, well, um, yeah, like, I think, um, it relates to the pandemic because like this like we're coming out of it and you're like i'm you know like now like that's like everything's back i like kind of just like want to make up for lost time and yeah and i just like want to like make sure i'm just doing well in school yeah. and and socially so but what's your what's your technique for for coming out of the uh out of the wacky world Mm. Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, well, <laughs> oh man, like, all right. When I first came here, like for this like life changing situation, like I would have to say like logotherapy. Have you ever heard of Victor Frankl? Oh God. Yeah. He's like the guy that wrote man's search for meaning. Like, oh, absolutely. 
yeah it's like you have to like have three searches for me it's like do what you love like like do what you love for work and then like choose one attitude in any set of circumstance i read that book and then i just like did like i did running during the winter earlier this year believe it or not <laughs> so that was good well and also i just decided to be like what andrew did is just be more vulnerable i think that's the other thing like we need to talk about here is just like it's like we can't wear a mask like all the time like yeah sure it's like we have to like learn social norms but i don't think it can't get to the point like where we can't be ourselves like and to be domesticated it's like being like your true authentic self for who you are with like live by truth and love as don miguel ruiz said and, like i think like what that's what we got to focus on it's just like get each neurodiverse person like how to connect them like with each person like from their full-on heart there's millions and billions of people across the world uh, did you feel did you find the wearing of the mask particularly odious? For a while, it's like when I had to watch what I say, like like overthinking what I said, like even like sometimes right now, like it, it was exhausting for a while. But once like once this craziness, like okay, I'm like okay, like maybe it's time to do something different. It's like everyone's feeling the same way, so why not open up more? Or just be vulnerable. So, Becca, did you change? Did you? What did you change most in your in your life? Did you just? Did you actually still go out and do the social distancing with the mask thing? Mm -hmm. or uh, did, did yeah, I did the social distancing. I only hang out with like close friends, like as it eased down. Like I never go went out to big gatherings. Oh hell, no, no, like that was too risky. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like people you know, like that you know, like you know what I'm talking about. It's like family and all that. Yeah. Becca? Yeah. Um, for me, not that much changed for me, actually. Um, I have been working from home for quite some time now. I work for myself. Um, and I actually live all the way up in the Rocky Mountains, not near very many people. So um, I sort of didn't have to change all that much about my life. Um, but what I did notice was that a lot of the judgment lifted about the choices that I made. Um, there was not quite so much um, judgment if my dogs were barking in the background or um, if I was, you know, talking to someone and I didn't feel like doing camera or whatever it is, all the things that have sort of become normalized. Um, I certainly was judged before um, COVID for. So that was a great relief. Um, and then also, you know, something that was interesting for me is that um, we all kind of started to think about the strange things that we do as a society that we've decided are the societal rules. Um, and a lot of people began to think about whether or not those things were right for them anymore. Um, and so for me, what I found was that a lot of people have sort of shifted over to my mindset about work rather than um, me being the odd man out, which is what it used to be. So say a bit more about that. I'm not quite following. So uh, for me, like when I started doing remote work and I started working for myself, it was 
kind of thought of as very odd, um, an unusual choice, an unsafe choice, a lot of other things. Um, but there was, and there was definitely um, certain things about working at home, certain limitations, and also some advantages that um, were poo-pooed by the mainstream society during meetings or whatever, um, that I wouldn't physically be there, but I would call in, right? Things like that. Um, and then with COVID, because everyone had to call in, suddenly it wasn't weird to call in anymore. And suddenly working from home wasn't so weird anymore. And suddenly if my dogs were barking um, and you could hear them, it didn't make me less professional all of a sudden, right? Um, and those are all, you know, judgments that I was receiving as someone who was kind of against the mainstream when I started remote work and I started, you know, self-employment. Now everyone just wants to jump on the self-employment bus and everyone wants to work from home. Um, and everyone's asking for hybrid employment with some be in person and some work from home, right? And that was an, an accommodation that I had been asking for since my diagnosis. And I was never allowed to have that. And because I was never allowed to have that hybrid opportunity, I had to take the risk of working on my own and creating that workspace for myself where I could be successful. Um, and now that sort of shifted. Um, now I would feel a lot more comfortable working for other people now that hybrid isn't so weird, right? And, and you know, some of those more human needs that we have, um, have, you know, the mystery behind that has been taken away. Um, we've sort of become more human, I think. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Albert, you will look like you're about to say something there. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was my turn, but okay. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, what do you guys say? I think everyone like felt like COVID like changed everything. I say, all right, you ever heard of Buddha? Like the story of the prince Buddha. All right, he he left the palace after he saw like a sick man or something like that. He's like, wow. Wait, I didn't know that existed like outside of the palace. So he decided like go like sit under a tree for like for a for a while, just like how we were like like back in 2020, like staying in a house, like sitting in a tree like this. Like, <laughs> well, anyways, like everyone's like, okay, do we like this like chair? Do we like what we eat? Do we like my wife, my husband, my boyfriend, girlfriend? Do we like my brother's sisters like and how we get along? Do I like, is it worth like paying for this car? Like, should I change a career? Like, point is it's like, I think it was like a reset button, like in a way, like just staying home. Like, it's just like, all right, do I like it where I am or go to a new direction? Because like, usually something like, like a, sh like a shake or, or something like that is what causes change. And I, and I think that's what, like, COVID has caused, even for, like, people in the autism community, like you said, like, Roger, like, video games has definitely helped out. Like, it brought happiness. I saw my brother personally, and he's so happy about it, especially among us and, like, in Halo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Did you, I mean, here's, here's, here's a question uh, that intrigues me a lot. There's a, I've been listening to a couple of programs recently, uh, <clears throat> and in fact, I'm developing something about the whole notion of the self. How do we construct a self? Is there such a thing as a self? Uh, how many, you know, or, or are we like a walking repertory company that we do different selves depending upon who we're meeting for the audience? And, you know, um, 
And uh, what, what is your sense of, and, I always, and one of the things that always comes out of this is the notion that philosophers will tell you and, and the Buddha will tell you about being authentic. Authenticity is just a huge topic. And it's a huge topic these days in all sorts of ways. It's, you can find it anywhere. So, but I would have thought that most people who are in a neurodiverse community, that's precisely one of the things they do is they do not put on very much in the way of masks uh, and, yeah. and shifts. This is who I am, this is it. Yeah, um, it, yeah. it's like we reveal who we are, like, right. It's like we were like there from the from the beginning. Like we were here from the beginning. We were three. Like we didn't wear a mask, but then we put a mask on. But then like, but then it's like once like like once like twenty twenty came. Like we're like no, nah, we're just gonna be ourselves. Like because like as like Becca stated, like everyone's doing remote. Like now we they know how we feel. Like. I think we're all starting to understand each other, like, like better. Yeah, I'm just wondering if more of this, what we were calling authenticity, came out of this enterprise. Andrew, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's like here's like how I feel about um, mask wearing. So, um, yeah, I don't really like it to be honest. Definitely, um, yeah, but like drink, but like. I did, I do wear them, like, because it's the law, it's a requirement, and, like, it's my public duty to do so, and, yeah, I definitely, during the first year, just, like, having to wear the mask, um, mask, like, pretty much, like, any time you went out, like, in public, and, yeah, like, especially, like, at this university, like, they're very strict with that, like, last year, if you, like, had, like, walk into a campus building, um, that was not your dorm room, um, you'd have to have your mask on and yeah. it's still the case right now. Like even with a 90% vaccination rate and cases going down, our school and cases going down. So um, yeah, like also yeah, like even like talking about or like hearing about the pandemic, like it can trigger me. It can make me angry. Kind of just like, just like makes me upset by like, how like the world, like just like kind of just fell apart you know, like, oh, yeah, it's like all how to change and adapt. And, you know, it's just, and, yeah, you know, just like kind of just like feel like I lost like a year of my life and just like really like want it all back, really try to make it up. And, you know, like it's just like a difficult process and everything. Like, just like feel like it's never ending. And, well, yeah. How do you make it up and what do you make up? Is that, is that, is, um, forgive me for not knowing this, but Carol is, is, is that your mother? Yeah, Carol. Yeah. She can, we, can we hear from her as well? Or is she, is she there? Hmm. If she is, we can hear from her. Okay. So, so how, I mean, what's, what was your take on all of this shift and, and, and so on? Was it um, drama or? Mean the shift in the pandemic? Yeah, or is it just quiet? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> well, Andrew, you know, it it was an interesting time. Um, he had just finished his senior year of playing basketball. He just finished his college applications. 
he had a, a great amount of support from his public high school. Um, and all of a sudden it hit in March and and it was very sad in many ways, but in many ways I was relieved that he had finished, you know, some of these big projects of applying to colleges, his success in basketball. 2020. 2020. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, and then he ended up getting into University of Wisconsin and, um, you know, that going to that school that far away in a pandemic was, was nerve wracking for us, you know, as a family, mm -hmm. he was excited to go. We live in San Diego, he's in Madison. And, um, but you know, we have the support of, you know, Perry's from Mansfield Hall. They also have virtual hall. So Andrew went to Wisconsin. He had the support of virtual hall. He did get COVID. He handled it with grace. He, he went to a hotel for two weeks. Um, what a crazy time. Um, but he did it and, and he's back and he's in an apartment and he's, trying to make friends and doing the best he can. And um, we're really proud of him, but you know, it's got its challenges and he gets his rewards too. Mark, would you like- uh, to, yeah, yeah, yes. Would you like to sort of pitch in and tell us what you think about how your life's been for the last two years? <laughs> uh, yes, I would love to. I feel like I was basically uh, reborn. Uh, I was born with autism. However, I wasn't diagnosed with autism in 2009 when I had to go uh, get reevaluated. And so from there, I decided that I wanted to write my own uh, memoir, my own book about uh, growing up, uh, growing up, uh, you know, on the spectrum, but I didn't know I was on the spectrum. Uh, then I was diagnosed for like maybe a brain damage, ADD, ADD should. I was given what all kids were given. I was given uh, Ritalin and I had a very tough time in life going through adversity, going for trials and tribulations, uh, growing up, went to some doctors that were not very successful in helping me implement in my development and and growth, they just couldn't figure out how to do it. So I went to this place in Philadelphia called a Help for uh, Human Human Pot Potential with uh, Achievements for Human Potential in Philadelphia, which was a, 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 a an institute that helped uh, kids with brain damage uh, develop uh, mentally through different uh, exercising, stimulating the blood to the brain to create new uh, blood cells with creeping and crawling and uh, patterning, uh, breathing exercise, eye exercising, all these uh, different techniques, which eventually I began to show uh, improvements in my mental and intellectual uh, development and even improving uh, in school. However, I did not start to learn to read till I was like uh, 11 uh, or 12. So it was a slow process growing up uh, and learning, you know, going through adversity in the home, adversity in the school, and um, so interacting socially with uh, other kids and, and adults and just uh, being where I mean, I had, I had no, uh, I, I did not have a good uh, 
social interaction. I did not know how to interact at, at, at all uh, socially. So I would say between 19, within my 20s, I slowly started to develop and started uh, to catch up, but still very uh, slow and learning and doing things in that area. However, I did learn how to drive when I was uh, 17, got my first job when I was uh, 17, and began to make friends and learn how to become uh, socially apt instead of being socially uh, uh, inept and just started uh, progress, uh, progressing on a very, very, very gradual uh, level, almost to the point, fast forward uh, 20 years to some kind of uh, normalcy, uh, normalcy. So I was diagnosed still with autism, uh, but yet I beat all odds. The first doctors that I went to at John Hopkins said that I need to be institutionalized. However, my mother wouldn't hear of it. So she just kept pushing on to taking me to different doctors and she wasn't going to give up until we reached that uh, goal where I would start to develop and to have some kind of a normal life now. So I've had jobs. I went, you know, I started uh, working. I eventually got my own apartment and just to the point where now I'm living on my own. So I decided to write a book called Living Life with Autism, The World Through My Eyes. Uh, Rebecca and Dana, I have one of all my accomplishments uh, and all my achievements and uh, May I interrupt and ask a question? So, so how how old were were you when you when diagnosed? I think it was like fifty one. I was diagnosed in two thousand and nine, and I wrote the book like in two in, in two thousand uh, and ten. And uh, so I was just getting up to uh, uh, the last the last two years from two thousand and nineteen. Uh, I was uh, I I have a family in LA, so I'd go up and visit. I gave a speech, you know. Uh, I I gave a, spe- a speech advocating a, a or a workshop, which you want to call for people with dis uh, and with intellectual uh, uh, disabilities, on what I've gone through, adverting trials and tribulations. In the last uh, sentence in my book, I says autism. Is not a roadblock. Uh, it's not a desk. It's just a roadblock. Take a different path, and uh, and 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 meet your success uh, at the end of the uh, the rainbow. So I despond about you know what I had to to go through. And in Florida, it's called like uh, uh, workforce programs. Uh, this was like it uh, leaps and bounds. And also in Florida, there's another uh, place equal to that, the Dan Marino Foundation, where these organizations teach kids with mental, uh, with intellectual disabilities, life learning skills, uh, simple basics, how to clean a house, wash dishes, uh, do laundry, wash themselves, take care of themselves, go out shopping, buy clothes, buy groceries, even managing a checkbook. And uh Having real relationships, learning how to drive, and just doing things that uh, that anybody can do, and this is what I was saying in this place that uh, leaps and bounds that there are 
programs doing that. And I was there for like an hour and a half. And this lady that was one of the work, uh, one of the directors at the uh, Leaps and Bounds introduced me to this program where I'm at now at the Performing Arts Studio West for people who want uh, to tr- who want to venture into the film industry. There's a huge need for people with disabilities to be in the film in- industry. And so I came and did an orientation and decided this is what I wanted to do. So uh, one of my family members suggested to take an acting class down in Florida, which I did, and I decided this is what I wanted to do. And ever since I started this, I've been making uh, different uh, connections. Uh, today, I'm writing another book. I'm doing songwriting, you know, doing, uh, taking act, acting class. I have an agent to like, you know, uh, for acting roles in uh, TV, uh, theater, uh, movies, uh, com- uh, f- uh, com- commercials, and all, um, and all that. And I'm just entrenched and everything having to do with acting in the inter- entertainment business. Yeah. So the the acting thing is a fascinating story. The acting thing is particularly intriguing. Um, uh, when I mentioned authenticity, Becker, I noticed that you uh, said you were interested in authenticity as well. Um, the, the question is how much... I mean, it's some, I'm, I'm actually planning something which is not, a, not one of my usual science documentaries or anything like that. I actually mm-hmm. like to do a play and do some acting with a theatre that talks about tomorrow's world and uses the wonderful Temple of Hercules, pillars of Francis, what? and so on and so forth, uh, and then do a series of sequences that go through history and key moments in history. But what's happening through that is, is, the, is that one is acting. And you know what an actor does. It acts. Well, um, is that you? Or is this, an, as I said, one of, the, one of the personas that you are capable of creating at any given moment? The whole notion of acting, uh, I think, is such a, um, a fascinating topic that I, I personally would love to see it almost as a required um, class in, in school. Uh, I think you ought to be able to spend a lot of time inhabiting walking a mile in somebody else's neurons um, and thinking it about de- Yeah, definitely should be part of an academic, I think, for sure. For sure, it should be part of an academic to take, an elective, for sure. I'm totally uh, on board with this, and this gives the person a chance uh, to open up and to expand their horizon to a big time, I'm totally on board with what you're offering with this, for sure. 100% on board with this. Yeah, I'll let you for sure. It. Yeah, I definitely approve of this. Like, like we need an elective, like from like a neurodiverse and a neurotypical. If a neurotypical just like goes into this class to understand like how our brains like work, like it would like create like a stronger connection. Like, I think that would be like like a brilliant plant here like what you guys are saying like like this could like be onto something like it seems like becca what are your thoughts on this on 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 presenting your presenting a um some form of facsimile of yourself um i think that everybody does that (laughs) um i just i mean i think the reason that autistics learn to mask is because neurotypicals mask all the time. So 
So I think that's, you know, in order to um, kind of translate our autisticness into some kind of language that neurotypicals can understand, we end up really um, mimicking neurotypical behavior so that you guys can understand what we're doing. So we ask you about the weather, not because we care what you think about the weather, but because we know that's one of the things we're supposed to do, right? That's one of the things that you guys do. And so it's like, um, there's this big giant play going on out in the world that we call society and everybody's playing their part. And I think the person that you are when you are, I don't know, at work in a board meeting, you know, in that kind of scenario is one version of who you are, but that is not the same version that sits on your couch and watches Real Housewives of Atlanta, right? That's a different version of you. Um, and it would be inappropriate to show up at work as the version of you that watches The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Everyone would think you were crazy, right? So you do go to work in the version of you that is work you, right? And that idea is where the masking comes from. It's where we why we learn it and why it works to mask um, because so many human beings as part of their agreement with society have decided that authenticity is not okay that to be your true self and all of your vulnerable and all of your flaws and all of your strengths and all of the things that you love about yourself is not okay. And we can look at social media and know that that's the truth, right? We say social media isn't real life, right? That's not what people look like in their regular life. Um, and I think that's because we, we create different versions of ourselves for the different medias in which we are having exchanges with people. We show the people closest to us, our true selves, right? And the people furthest away from us, we show some version of ourselves that is acceptable to them, right? What is what is somebody putting on TikTok? What does she get when she ends up with 50 million viewers and so on? Uh, mm -hmm. what, is, what is the notion of a celebrity? What is the presentation of self in everyday life? Going back to the right. Robin old book. Yeah. So what's the image, Daniel Burstyn, the celebrity is somebody who is well-known for being well-known? Mm -hmm. Culture, is this culture built around that kind of imagery? I, I really do think so. I really think that a lot of, in fact, a lot of the misconceptions even about autism come from this giant social play that is happening out there, right? If the majority of the world was autistic, we would have built a society that was more in tune with our thinking, right? And then the neurotypicals, who at that point would be the minority, right, would have to assimilate to what the majority is doing, right? That's what we're being asked to do as autistics, is to assimilate our behavior so that we fit into the society that neurotypicals have built and that we keep them comfortable so that our behavior doesn't make you uncomfortable. Right. Our natural behavior for whatever reason. Right. And I say it's like the uncanny valley effect. Right. We are so close to being neurotypical. We're so almost like you. Right. That we freak you out so much that we have to hide those parts of ourselves in order to kind of navigate a, a world that's not built for us or at least not built to our standards. Right. So uh, the reason, as you know, that I that I used that little section from Alice in Wonderland, there's a scene in, in um, Alice in Wonderland where Alice turns up uh, in a garden. There's a caterpillar sitting, blue caterpillar sitting on a hooker, smoking a, um, sitting on a caterpillar, <laughs> sitting on a mushroom, smoking a hooker, and basically asks two questions of Alice. One is, 
who are you? And the second one is what size do you want to be? Because she has already said, I've been so many sizes today, I really don't know, because of eat me, drink me, and so on. Those questions, it seems to me, are absolutely crucial. And I, and I'm, I wondered if you guys thought about that on a regular basis or gave any thought to it. Who am, who am I? How did I get this way? And is there just one of me or, or am I a mm. repertory company on the road here? What, how do you think of yourself? I can start if you want. Um, it's something that I think about a lot. <laughs> um, it's something that I didn't think about before my diagnosis. Um, I was diagnosed at 36. And at that point, um, I no longer trusted myself. I really believed myself to be broken. Right. I also believed myself to be the only one of my kind. Um, and I was fully isolated, miserable, suicidal, all of those things, right? Um, and with my diagnosis, I was given information that I had been deprived of for 36 years, right? So I was being asked to function as an adult and make informed decisions about adulthood, but I was missing half the knowledge about myself. Like I was missing all of this vocabulary to describe my experiences. I was missing um, the reasons for things rolling out the way they do and the reasons I was making some choices and not others, right? And so I really couldn't have very fairly thought about who I am and who I want to be um, until I was given that information. Right? And it's why so many adult advocates talk about um, telling your kids as soon as you know and not holding back that information from them because they already know they're different. It's too late. Might as well give it a name, right? And so, um, you know, in that, with the self-discovery that comes with the autism diagnosis, I figured out very clearly who I am, very clearly who I want to be, and very clearly the kind of life that I want to live, right? Um, is it in accordance with societal norms? I would say probably not. Um, is it still valid? Yes. Uh, am I enjoying the heck out of it? 100%. Um, I am a million times happier now than I ever could have been without my diagnosis. Um, I just couldn't have ever been happy without knowing that part of myself. Um, and so now I teach that. I teach people how to go on that journey for themselves to figure out who their authentic self is with the autism, right? Like we are our autism. We can't separate it from ourselves. And so how do I build a life that takes in account my autism and also feels like my life? Right. You knew this before you went for the diagnosis, though, didn't you? I mean, no. You must How could I, I? No. I mean, before my diagnosis, I was alone. I was I did 15 jobs in 10 years. Um, I couldn't find a career. I couldn't succeed in employment. Um, I was didn't have any kind of mental health or any kind of self-esteem. Um, nothing. I mean, I was I was taking up space. That's what I would tell people. I was taking up space and a waste of oxygen, right? That was genuinely how I thought about myself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was like, I don't know how else to explain it, right? That's such a clear way to say it. Like I'm using up oxygen that somebody else could be using to do things with, and I'm just a waste of it, right? That is how I felt about myself because I couldn't understand why nobody understood me. And I couldn't understand why the whole world felt illogical to me. And I couldn't understand, right? Because I was missing... A whole bunch of information and i was surrounded by people whose brains were different than mine yeah albert anybody comment on that 
Uh, yes, I will definitely comment on that. Uh, nobody in this world except our creator above has any right to judge any person for any uh, uh, reason. Even if you do harm uh, to somebody, the deed, the bad or the good deed that we'll do will be the judgment for you. But we are not really at all, I believe and truly believe, are in no position to judge anybody right. They do right, they do wrong in any way, shape or form. That's my opinion, period. Nobody should judge each other at all and everybody is equal in everybody's eyes and that's the way it should be this is my opinion okay albert what do you think do you yeah do you have did you do you have any sense of having manufactured a self manufactured self um if you're talking about like mass like well i would say it got developed like probably like when I was like a little kid, like developing in elementary school, like I got irritated like at first, I'm like, okay, um, why do I have to follow this way and that way? But I just decided to go with it just to fit in so it didn't cause problems and all that. Yeah, but then high school, like it just like, just gotten worse. Like, like, I don't know kids, like some kids just like bullying me, like and all that. I'm not just verbally at least. Um, but then, like, later on, like, I quit, like, football, like, before, because, like, there's just a couple bad apples, like, that just, like, just, I don't know, didn't appreciate for who I am. So I decided, hey, you know, like, new group of friends, like, some were, like, not that good, but, 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 like, the one person, like, I was with, like, turned out to change my life, like, for the better. And he just, like, led me to, like, in the long term, just saying, be yourself, Albert. Like, it just took like a long time, probably I would say until like, I started realizing to be myself more like till 2018, but I would say it came to full effect in like 2020 saying, okay, like I'm just dropping the cards and just like decided to like go full on like Albert. Like it's just like remove like, the mask it's think of star wars like with vader like staring into luke's eyes it's like that it's like anakin like looking at luke like in a way without the mask so it's to make something like i rarely ever open up about like um and really ever talk about and so i know like that a lot of people they are they are happy like like on the outside spectrum they are happy like with how they are, like, they kind of find, like, as it is part of their personality. Um, but for me, like, I'm, like, a very high achiever. Like, I have, like, pretty ambitious goals. And, um, you know, like, and, like, kind of just, like, feel like sometimes I'm just, like, not meant to be autistic. Um, yeah, I kind of, like, I know there's no straight up cure for this. But, like, I, like, want to, like, get, kind of just, like, get out of me as, much as possible because like I kind of like want I like understand my goals like I just like when I like live the life I want to live like just like overcome these challenges so yeah I just like kind of like feel like it just holds it's kind of just like holds me back sometimes mm. so is there I mean what's the kind of solution you look for there in terms of um assistance help discussion conversation 
Does that help? Yeah, I, I definitely think like people just like got a lot better at, at recognizing and helping those like on spectrum. Like for me, like my mom like talked about this in her talk a couple months ago. Like um, when I was like about to start kindergarten, um, we couldn't really like we had real hard time like finding schools like that would fit my needs and and gr and growing up like it was like. I definitely had to deal with lots of changes, um, especially like definitely like with some like transfers of schools, um, just like leading like friend groups, like because like kind of just, like had like just be pulled out of them because like mom was like worried about the situation. And then like I've there's been a lot of different doctors, therapists, nannies, tutors like that like I've worked with like to try and help me. And uh, just like some have just been better than others. Um, yeah, I feel like some have been really helpful with helping, like helping me, like recognize what I need, like especially like with accommodations in school. That that was like a huge one. Um, and kind of just like helping me study, like helping with my academic skills, like social skills. I think like yeah, I think like we definitely like found good people for that. Um, yeah, and yeah, and like I know like I've really like. I've like kind of just like my mom's talk made me realize like that I have overcome a lot, but like now, like, you know, like through like the first few months, still like, no, like there's, I still, we're not, I'm not done. I still have ways to go before like, um, and I don't know like if I'll ever like get there. I don't think there won't like be like a perfect solution for this. Like there won't like be a perfect version of myself, but I just like need like, just keep working, like just keep going. Yeah. The panel, there's one, uh, we've got just a few minutes left. There's a question just came in. Thank you for sharing that, Andrew. Um, here's another question to think about, guys, before the last question before we go. From Tammy Barmash to the panel, do you think it might be better for autism to be identified versus diagnosed? Um, uh, I wonder if this would help shift from the diagnosis, prognosis, and maybe even cure mindset to seeing autism as a way that your brain works, that in some ways makes your life more difficult, in some ways is a strength. Then move on to look for ways to support you versus treat the condition. Curious what your thoughts are about this, asking as a parent of an autistic young man. Thank you. I, I think it's an interesting conundrum right now because in some sense, right, philosophically and perhaps ethically, right? Being identified feels better, but in reality, um, the only thing that gets you anything right now in terms of support services, being taken seriously, et cetera, is a diagnosis. Um, right now, our society has deemed difference to be a disorder, a disease, a this or that, right? Um, and unfortunately, because of that medical model, if autistic people are seeking any kind of support, um, we need, we are looked at first for our diagnosis. Um, and that is what um, insurance companies want. That is what social security wants. If you want disability, that is what, you know, the if you really get into arguments about accommodations and you get to a certain point in HR, that's what they want, right? Um, and so hopefully as we move more, less away from a sort of community and more towards an autistic culture, um, we will see more desire to be identified rather than be diagnosed. 
Hopefully insurance companies will start to cover other kind of supports besides ABA so that we can use other kind of supports, you know, through our insurances and stuff like that. Um, but unfortunately, until the medical model of autism isn't the, the foot that we lead with, we're stuck with diagnosis and we just got to we got to take it um, until we move to a more social model of autism. And at that point, I think we'll be able to change that. Yeah, the only thing is like for my is like for a diagnosis, it can like help you get like the accommodations you need in school or like with like the insurance or doctors. But yeah, like, I don't know, like I guess like it sounds like a good idea, but just like kind of like what Becca said, like I think like diagnosis is like kind of like just what is needed right now. Um Yeah, I agree with like Andrew. Like it's like a diagnosis, it's like it's like a command, like diagnosis. It's like, oh, you should do this, this, and that. Like instead of like, oh, like, oh, this is how it works for you. Like, like, well, I haven't researched like too much, like on prognosis, like, but like, but for what I've heard, like on diagnosis, it's like maybe it's not like the most like effective, like for what I've heard. But in fact, it's like give like support treatments, like what Mark, like Mark talked about, like from one of his organizations he joined. Like, like helping like people on the spectrum provide for relationships, say, like, or like go on a bus, like go for a job, like school, like washing dishes and all that laundry. It's focusing more on that, like Reverend than just like, I don't know, just like being like, being like a puppet or something like that. Like, like just, just do some, a plan that works for you, like an IEP. All right, guys, thank you very much. It was very sweet of you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.